says, but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. We just finished verse number six last Thursday, and we talked about what the nourishing up of is. And we are looking at um, now uh, old wise fables, and uh, it's coming off of this thought of how good ministers are nourished up. And you, you know, when you had kids, the nursery rhymes please children. <laughs> you know, they're fun rhymes, and uh, and but we're we're not we're not children. We're we might be a child of God, but uh, God's trying to say there's some things that should be refused when it comes to your edification and for your spiritual nourishment. Um, it has to do a little bit with childish things. None of us are going to be nourished up in our faith or nourished up in good doctrine if we're tied up in profane and old wise fables. And there's a lot of application you can make to that. There's a lot of rabbit trails to go down that might be, might seemingly be important, but they're not the most important thing. And it's easy to get off track. So the Bible says, refuse it. Don't pay attention to it. Don't allow it to occupy all of your time. And God tells us why, because it's just really not that important. And notice he doesn't say that the, these things are blasphemous. He just says, refuse profane and old wives' fables. Uh, and then he gives a replacement, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. It's not that the fables are blasphemous, they're not going to help your life spiritually. And there's something better and more important for you to get some nourishing from. Um, go to 2 Timothy. We see this come up in chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2, verse number 16. Bible says, But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. It, again, it's the idea of just trivial discussions, it's senseless chatter. And we, especially nowadays, with what is going on with the, you know, the radical left and the, and the conservative right and, and all of that, um, all of these theories come up and all of these ideas come up. And I don't know, maybe some of them are true. Maybe all of them are true. <laughs> maybe a quarter of them are true. I don't know. Are we ever really going to know? Do we really have to know? We, we, get, we might get too tied up in that stuff, and it gets, it gets us off track. Uh, look at Titus chapter number 1. Here's another uh, good cross-reference, Titus 1. The Bible says in verse number 14, uh, the warning is not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Um, Paul's counsel is the same. Don't waste time with it. But you know what the Jews had? Apparently they had a lot of fables. 
God's not putting forth, hey, these things are blasphemous. What he's saying is these fables, if you don't put them away, what's going to happen is they're going to consume your life and it's not really going to give you much profit at all. Let's go back to our text, 1 Timothy 4. Um, old wives' fables. I don't know what you think of or what comes to mind when you hear that. Um, I'm sure everybody has a different thought. They're just silly tales um, that the old wives, I guess, would hold important to them. I don't know. What comes to my mind is, you know, everybody has the old cookbook or the old remedy book. You know, it's apple cider vinegar can heal everything. And, you, you know, amen. and so, you know, and then and one, another lady, you know, you go to her house and you go through her books. And next thing you know, you know, colloidal silver will cure everything, you know. And so, you know, and so, you got the ladies fighting over. It's going to be, am I drinking colloidal silver this week or apple cider vinegar? And and look, maybe maybe they both work. Maybe both of them don't work. But God's just saying, look, they're not blasphemous. Just don't get too bogged down with having to have all of that consume you. There's something that's more important. Amen. And uh, fables really aren't fact checked through the word of God. And they're not really going to move anyone onto godliness. So God gives the replacement for that. And he says at the end of verse seven, exercise thyself rather unto what? Godliness. Exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Spend some more time trying to be more godly. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if you called your friend up or, you know, one of your church brothers or sisters and said, what are you doing today? Well, I don't have time to talk right now. I'm trying to exercise myself to become more godly. <laughs> It'd be a good answer to give because God wants us to be involved in that type of exercise. He doesn't want us to just have an aimless or meaningless existence. Um, it's, we're not on earth to just seek food and water and shelter and clothing. Do we need those things to survive? We do, but we're not animals living out in the wilderness. <laughs> We are children of God, and he wants us to exercise ourselves unto more than just providing basic physical necessities. You know what we should strive towards having? The attributes of God. Holiness. Young people, truthfulness. Get a hold of that. Righteousness. All of us, all of us. Some mercifulness. Let's exercise ourselves towards some of those attributes of God. So when we get into a certain situation, now we have strengthened our physical uh, our, our spiritual strength, and now we can actually exercise mercifulness. But if we never exercise toward those attributes of God, we're never going to get to this godliness. It's not just food, water, clothing, and shelter. 
there's things God expects us to start exercising for. And just like we talked about the physical sustenance of food for our physical body, and we tied that into what we saw about what some spiritual nourishment is, now Paul, through the Holy Spirit, is trying to teach us about the exercise portion, and he's making some analogies here. Now, do you read your Bible? I read my Bible. Do, Do you pray? I, I pray. We all we all do those things, and we should continue to do those things. That's a starting point. But do you get to the point in your prayer where you are you're in anguish over something? That's the exercise part of it. Young people, exercise is strenuous. There's a difference between walking outside to the car and running around the block three times. Which one's going to get you more tired? Which one's going to, which one is going to, um, are you going to need more energy for? There's a difference if we all pray, but there's a difference. We go to the Lord in prayer and it's, you know, a 30 second prayer or a two minute prayer is one thing. But Chris, you start anguishing over something for 15 or 20 minutes. Now there's some exercise going on spiritually. That's what God's talking about. That's what God's talking about. Go to Acts 24. Let's look at this. Acts 24. says verse number 16 we'll look at Acts 24 Acts 24 verse 16 the Bible says and herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men that's look my exercise isn't going to benefit you and vice versa your exercise in godliness is not going to benefit me we each have to have our own daily exercise our own daily walk and we must make this an always thing see the middle of the verse to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. And toward man. That's something we should think about daily. God tells us. Always. All right, Acts 24. Uh, I'm sorry, 2 Peter 2. 2 Peter 2. Let's look at that verse. 2 Peter 2. Look at verse 14 as well, 2 Peter 2, 14. Bible says, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin. Well, why not? Beguiling unstable souls. This is not a good start here. Why is all this happening? And heart they have exercised with covetous practices Cursed children with their gone astray, 
which have forsaken the right way and have gone astray, following the wayward of Balaam. And uh, bottom of the verse, who love the wages of unrighteousness. They have exercised their own heart toward things that they shouldn't have been exercising toward. Young people, are you going to be able to run in the race if you don't have feet? No. Young men, are you going to be able to get into the boxing match if you don't have any arms? No. You can't run without feet and you can't box without arms. And you know what God's saying? You can't live a godly life unless you have a heart that is, that is available and exercising itself toward that. Are you regenerated? Then you are the boxer that has the arms. Have you received the imputed righteousness of Christ? Then you have the feet and you can run the race. If you don't have God's imputed righteousness, then right, you're going to have a heart that is just going to exercise itself toward wickedness. But you and I do have a regenerated life. And we can, we can exercise ourselves to ungodliness. In the last verse 14, Hebrews 5, 14 Let's back up to 13. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses, what's the word, exercised. Why? To discern both good and evil. Now, there are some people that have that gift of discernment. And that's a blessing. But you know what God tells all of us? We need to exercise our senses so we, all of us, can discern good from evil. Now, will there always be that brother or brothers or will there always be that sister or sisters that just kind of have that sense of discernment. It seems like it's so much more honed than yours. It could be one of two reasons. Number one, they may have that gift. Number two, they might be exercising toward it. <laughs> That's a kind of important. And a lot of times we say, well, I don't have that gift because we don't want the gift. <laughs> it might be there. And God says, you know what? Maybe you should try some exercise and it'll come to life. I'll show you something. But I really do believe God wants us as his children to be able to discern. OK, stay away from that. OK, let's go toward that. OK, so a lot, I guess a lot of applications we could we could make there. Exercise your senses toward discern. Now go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. None of us have the trials that Paul has had, and we probably never will. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 9, verse number 27, he says, but I keep my body I keep under my body and bring it unto subjection, 
lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul, look, he has willingly given himself over to denying self. Us, that might change day to day or week to week or month to month or year to year. I mean, Paul signed up for this. I'm just going to live a life of self-denial. And Paul went through a lot, a lot of persecution. Hold your place in 1 Corinthians 9. Go to, go to, um, uh, go to 2 Corinthians 11. I like this verse, one of my go-to verses, 2 Corinthians 11. Paul says in verse 25 of 2 Corinthians 11, Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. Now you imagine sitting around with Paul fellowshipping at the end of a service and he tells you he's been through that. <laughs> and then I raised my hand and said, well, my feet kind of got cold at one of the outreaches. <laughs> like, it's like you just want to crawl under a rock and hide. It's so shameful. <laughs> yet, yet the things we complain about, we're never going to have to go through with Paul went through, I mean, Lord willing. And it just really does boggle my mind that Christians that don't want to really do anything for the Lord now and think and, and think that when it gets bad, you know, it, Paul had it bad, I guess is what I'm trying to say, okay? Um, and then he says, in journeyings often in pearls of waters, in pearls of robbers, and pearls by my own countrymen, and pearls by the heathen, and pearls in the city, and pearls in the wilderness, and pearls in the sea, and pearls among false brethren. Man, good night. Everywhere he goes, he can't go out in the boat without finding trouble. He can't be around people without, man, there's a false brethren just wearing me out. You ever feel like that? Yeah. Man, you get somebody, they run a narrative in their head. It ain't true, but in their head, it's true. And they're telling others and the whole thing's a complete farce and a lie. What is that? That's Paul being surrounded by false brethren. And you can't get it out of their head. And Paul's dealing with that. In verse number 27, in weariness and painfulness and watchings often. Now listen to this, young people. And us, and us adults. In hunger and thirst. Three hours have gone by. Three. And we haven't had a snack. Dad's not trying to be mean and mom's not trying to be mean when they say, get out of the cabinet. You don't need food. We don't know what hunger is. We don't. That's Paul. And then, ladies... Let, let, let's look at this. In fastings often, in cold. You might not have a blanket to stay warm in the winter. 
Paul dealt with all of this. It's one thing to be cold. It's one thing to be cold and hungry. It's another thing to be cold, hungry, and thirsty. And it's a quite another to be cold, hungry, thirsty, and not have enough clothing to keep yourself warm in cold and in nakedness. Folks, we've got it easy. And God's trying to draw out, look, there's some exercising you're going to need <laughs> to get you through the trials and the persecution that's coming, if it hasn't come to you already. And food, water, and shelter ain't going to do it. You're going to need some godliness to get through the darts that Satan and false brethren are going to cast at you. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, go back there, look at verse number 27. 1 Corinthians 9, verse, last verse, 27. He says, when I have preached to others, he's keeps body under subjection, because I might, so when I preach to others, I myself should be, he says, a castaway. Paul gives his own belief a fair testing and a fair trial to see if it's going to bear fruit. He's testing himself in a sense. He's saying, so I'm not a castaway. So he has all of these persecutions, all of these trials that he's going through. And then what the exercise in godliness is, other brethren look at him and, 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 and Paul note, man, I'm not going to be a castaway. I'm not just going to be cast away as just some, just some other brother that just fell like everybody else fell. No, he wants his work to be approved before God and before man. What do you do if you want to find out if the metal is genuine? You cast it into the fire. Right? And you melt it down and the purity, all the all the dross and all that goes to the top, right? And Paul says, I'm cast, I don't want to be a castaway. I'm gonna put myself to the test. I'm gonna keep my body in the subjection. Because I don't want I just don't I don't want to be a castaway. We can all get some help from that. We have too many Christians that have got into this mindset of we are Sunday church attending pew sitting Christians. That was not Paul. If you're 70, no one expects you to do what you did when you were 20. But when you're 20, there's no reason to act like you're 70. Okay? <laughs> Get off the botissimo and go out and do the work of the Lord, okay? You got to get out there and you got to have a heart that's exercised unto godliness. You know, Isaiah says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It's tired. It's wearisome. But if you think you're going to rejuvenate yourself, no. Maybe we need to get better at waiting on the Lord to rejuvenate, our, to rejuvenate us. He's going to give you the strength. No reason for us to be afraid. All right, 1 Timothy 
Let's go back there. Verse number four. First Timothy verse four. No, first Timothy chapter four. I am sorry. Take a break here. Verse number seven. Um, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. When you think of the Christian life, I want you to call out some uh, uh, one word, one word. You can call out anytime, but say it loud. If you have a word, or you might have one or two words, and you say one word, another word might come to your mind. But when you hear someone say, okay, I'm saved, and you hear, okay, Christian life, what is the first word that comes to your mind when you hear Christian, you're a Christian, it's a Christian life that we have. What word comes to mind? One word. Jesus. Jesus. What else? Victory. Victory. What else? Faith. Faith. What was the other one? Blessed. blessed and if someone were to say okay you've got Jesus you have one loved, loved. blessed faith okay and so now what are we going to do troops spread spread it spread the word right we're going what else are we going to do preach it preach it right what else are we going to do uh, the Christian life is involved in doing what? Gathering. Gathering. You go to a restaurant and the waitress... some Serving. Serving. Now we get to serve the one who loves us and blesses us. And, and, and is, is, it, it's Jesus Christ we get to serve and live for. God doesn't want us to be an isolated hermit knowing all of these things about God. He wants some active exercise. The Christian life is serving Him. Serving Him. You ever go to a restaurant, Chris, and the, and the waitress or the waiters were acting real nice to you? And you ever have this thought, they're only being nice to me because they're paid to be. They cannot be this nice. I think that when I go to Chick-fil-A. Maybe I'm the only one, but <laughs> they, you know, they say, my pleasure. Pretty easy to please, I guess, because. <laughs> but they're so happy. They're so happy. God wants us to be happy serving Christians. There's no, there's no other way to get there but to start exercising <coughs> toward that. Okay, if you don't exercise yourself, um, you're going. If you spend your life your week, it just in hours of amusement, it's just thoughtless in front of a TV or a game screen. It's going to be hard to sit and focus on the Word of God or singing praises to Him. And the best we'll have is just small spasmatic times of repentance or feeble attempts at prayer. But God has something higher and He has something nobler for us. And that is going to involve each and every one of us 
exercising ourselves. Hey, do we study? Exercise yourself. Prayer, witnessing, getting up and trying again, not getting discouraged, um, getting over a failure or a loss or a setback. It's going to happen, brother. You go out enough times. It's going to happen. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to run into someone that's going to wear you out. We got to get over that, that, that setback. We got to get over the problems that this life may bring us. We've got to start exercising ourselves to godliness because that's the strength we're going to need to get over the wearing out that's going to come because the wearing out's going to come. We better have some godliness. First Timothy four, look at verse eight. But God, but bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. If you want to maintain physical health, you would exercise your physical body and that will be beneficial for the life that now is really not so much for the, for what's to come though. It's you're going to get a glorified body. You're not going to have to exercise. Amen. Amen. And you, amen. And you don't want to exercise your physical body at the expense of not exercising yourself spiritually. Amen. Look, people, I, what they say down south is bless your heart. If you want to get up at 5 a.m. and go to the gym and work out for three or four hours and drink powdered food and, and, and do all that. Great. I don't, I'm not here to fight you and say you're wrong, but I don't want to do that. I want to get up and I want to get in the word and I want to start getting my head right. And I want to start praying and I want to start taking some notes and I want to start writing. And I want to start thinking about God and I want to start going through people in our church and I want to start thinking about the lost. That's what I want to do when I get up. Now, if you don't want to do that, that's fine. But don't force me to go to the gym and eat powdered food and act like if I don't want to do that, that I'm somehow ungodly. <laughs> we have something more important than trying to get our bodies as buff as they can be. Look, no one's going to dupe me on this stuff. I've been in this exercise stuff as a young, since I was 23 years old. I know all about what it takes to become fit and the champ. And I've been there, done that, got many t-shirts. I'm telling you, from experience, brother, there is so, there's something so much more profitable than being physically fit. Get a little profit so that you don't walk down a flight of steps when you go in the witness to someone and have a heart attack, right? Take care of yourself. But there's something higher and nobler. And we need to, we, do, we just need to get a hold of that. I don't know how people can get to the gym three times a week, but they can't get to church three times a week. I don't understand that. They can get to karate class three times a week. They can't get to church twice a week. I believe if, some, if God is, if, if something has providentially hindered you from getting to the church house, fine. But, I mean, maybe you can come up with another excuse besides the providential hand of God turning the situation where you got to handle something. But other than that, 
It's just disobedience. We just don't want to exercise ourselves on the godliness. We're okay with forsaking those that others are looking forward to be around. Godliness. We're exercising ourselves. Listen to a lot of preaching over the years, and I've heard preachers say, you know, sports are the devil, sports are an idol, stay away from sports. And I don't believe that. I believe you can get some profit from it. And I believe anything can be an idol. Then you have the other, you have the other side. You fall into the ditch on the other side. And the preacher or the church or the church member replaces church with sports. I can't make it to midweek. There's baseball. I can't get to Sunday service because of football. And just go on down the line. We're more concerned with the physical than, than the spiritual. We need that outlet. That's good for young boys, young girls, running, exercising. Get that outlet. I'm for it. But what I'm not for is making that more than what God says to make it. Get a little bit of benefit, but do not make it the main, the main thing. You know what's going to happen to your physical body over time? It's going to diminish. And your strength is going to go away. Unfortunately, I'm just not as strong and muscular as I was from when my wife first met me. You know, it's just, oh, wow, look at those muscles. They're going away. They're fading away. The physical strength isn't going to be there. There's something that's more, more important. And so God finishes it out. Look at this verse we'll finish with. And he says, uh, well, when he says, but godliness is profitable in all things, having promise of the life that now is. So right now we can be more holy or godly and profitable. And Jesus will make life's bitterness, he'll make it sweeter. But then he says, and of that which is to come. So our exercise right now unto godliness, it's just a taste of what it is going to be like. So get a hold of that. And then he ends this thought with verse number nine. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. In other words, it is so important. He finishes with this thought. Pay attention. Why? Because the consequences are so great if you forsake exercising yourself on the godliness. Let's not any of us do that. Thank you.